Welcome to Creative Biolabs. We provide reliable oncolytic virus therapy development services for clients globally. Our service covers all aspects from virus engineering, cell biology, to animal testing. We have archived professional academic reports and the latest scientific progress on oncolytic virus therapy by making it into a podcast column. You can subscribe us to follow the latest updates on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode. Today we will learn about how to evaluate the ability of oncolytic viruses to kill tumor cells. In the past episodes, we have discussed with Jensen about their variety of treatment strategies and their shortcomings and problems. And we are so glad to have Jensen's here with us again to continue the discussion. Thank you for being here today, Jensen. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for your invitation. I'd like to briefly share with you some basics of the oncolytic virus in treating cancer. We can start by looking at the immune function of the body, which is regulated by a variety of physiological processes, after being infected by the oncolytic virus. And after the infection, the efficacy of cytolytic immunotherapy depends, in part, on the induction of immunogenic tumor cell death. After that, an anti tumor immune response is induced. What do you mean by immunogenic cell death? Chemotherapy can enhance the immunogenicity of tumor cells through a variety of mechanisms. When tumor cells die, they transform from non-immunogenicity to immunogenicity and mediate the anti-tumor immune response. We call this phenomenon immunogenic cell death. So does the oncolytic virus infection always induce immunogenic cell death? Not always. There is a way to determine whether oncolytic viruses can induce such immunogenic tumor cell death. The method includes detecting whether the tumor cells lysed by oval cells can induce the maturation of human monocyte-derived immature dendritic cells. Dendritic cells are the most powerful professional antigen-presenting cells in the human body. They act as messengers and transmit antigen information to T cells. And yes, they can activate T cells. Only a small number of mature dendritic cells are needed to stimulate a strong T-cell response. I've seen some relevant studies. It is very important for cancer patients to improve their anti-tumor immunity. And tumor immunotherapy is an effective method to stimulate their anti-tumor immune response, isn't it? You are correct. So back to where we were. After the infection, the oncolytic virus can induce the immunogenic death of tumor cells. It is characterized by the release of tumor-associated antigens and cell-derived danger signals. We call them damage-related molecular patterns and some pathogen-related molecular patterns of virus origin. Then antigen-presenting cells, such as myeloid dendritic cells, contact oncolytic virus-infected cells, capture tumor antigens, and mature after pattern recognition receptors recognize damage-related molecular patterns and pathogen-related molecular patterns. As we mentioned earlier, mature dendritic cells can present tumor-associated antigens to T lymphocytes, thereby inducing an anti-tumor immune response. I know that your team already has relevant research results. I'm sure the audience wants to learn more about them.
Yes. Our team was one of the first to report these results in vitro, using the Schwartz strain of measles virus, which spontaneously lyses tumors and inhibits many cancers, including mesothelioma. We demonstrated that measles virus-infected tumor cells can induce the maturation of human monocyte-derived immature dendritic cells, but UVB-irradiated tumor cells did not. How do you know that the dendritic cells are mature? Is there any obvious feature after these cells mature? The maturation is characterized by increased expression of major histocompatibility complexes and costimulatory molecules and production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Dendritic cells were exposed to infected mesothelioma cells to stimulate T lymphocytes from healthy donors. They can initiate the expansion of specific CD8-positive T lymphocytes targeting mesothelin, a tumor differentiation antigen. What specific results did other teams get? They report that the measles virus stimulates dead tumor cells to release a set of inflammatory cytokines and chemokines and damage related molecular patterns. These inflammatory proteins induce immature dendritic cells to the state of maturation. And they found increased CD80 and CD86 expressions. Just in case you are wondering, CD80 is an essential membrane antigen for T lymphocyte activation. CD86 is the main cofactor that induces T lymphocyte proliferation and IL-2 production. In other words, some of the necessary proteins can promote immune response? You're right. Their studies also showed that dendritic cells exposed to measles virus-infected tumor cells can induce tumor-specific cytotoxic T cell responses. Subsequently, we found that the measles virus and infected tumor cells are effective activators of plasma-like dendritic cells, which are a subset of dendritic cells involved in antiviral immune response and can produce a large number of interferon alpha to deal with the virus. What about immature dendritic cells from human monocytes? They are a very important tool, right? That is right. The dendritic cells obtained from peripheral blood lymphocytes can be used as a tool to determine whether the oncolytic virus can trigger the immunogenic death of tumor cells. According to what you just said, this kind of dendritic cells show obvious biological characteristics when they mature. So how can we detect this feature? In order to study the ability of human monocyte-derived immature dendritic cells to induce immunogenic cell death, we proposed a functional detection method based on the maturation of immature dendritic cells. It is also applicable to other oncolytic viruses. So basically, we detect the expression of CD83 by flow cytometry. So most of us know what flow cytometry is and how it works. But can you just give a brief introduction on flow, just to keep everyone on the same page? Sure. With flow, we can analyze single cell or other biological particles quantitatively at the molecular level using monoclonal antibodies. It can analyze tens of thousands of cells at high speed and also measure multiple parameters from a cell at the same time. Flow cytometry is one of the most advanced quantitative analysis techniques to analyze cells with its advantages of high speed, high precision, and accuracy. So using flow cytometry, how did your team detect immature dendritic cells? 
We first set up a negative control group and a positive control group. The culture conditions between them are different. The negative control was immature dendritic cells cultured alone. We also tried to culture immature dendritic cells with living tumor cells or non-immunogenic apoptotic tumor cells obtained after UVB irradiation. Under these conditions, dendritic cells did not express CD83, which is a specific marker for dendritic cells, involved in antigen presentation and lymphocyte activation. For the positive control, we cultured immature dendritic cells with bacterial lipopolysaccharide. Bacterial lipopolysaccharide is a substance that can enhance the inflammatory response of cells. It induces dendritic cell maturation. This can be characterized by the expression of CD83 on the cell surface. In other words, the level of inflammation in the negative control group was very low. And its level in the positive control group was greatly improved. Correct. In our experimental group, Immature dendritic cells were cultured with oncolytic virus alone or with tumor cells decomposed by the oncolytic virus. We hope that this method can be used to record the immunogenic tumor cell death induced by the oncolytic virus. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. And thank you Jensen for your time and for sharing your knowledge on oncolytic virotherapy. We will continue our discussion in the next episode.